You know, as always, I just, I can't reiterate enough. Please, please keep in contact with us. Please let us know how we can help you. Uh, we want, you know, we have a prayer team that meets every week. And uh, we pray over the needs of the church. If there is a need that comes up the chain, we pray for those. We pray for the church. And so we want to keep lifting you up in prayer. Over the last 10 years, uh, the prayer ministry, when I see the things that have come our way, and we pray and pray and pray and pray, we have seen some amazing results. And, uh, and then I see people who never think to you know, bring stuff to us in prayer, and they just seems to prolong it. They suffer, 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 and then finally they bring it to us, and we start praying for it, and we begin to see some things released. So I really want to encourage you, you know, keep in contact with us. We love you guys. This church is not held together by being the, the best building, although I do think it is definitely the best outdoor venue. Wouldn't you agree? This is like, and I'm telling you, you've got to come back at night and see all the garden lights and everything. It is amazing. Uh, but we're not just held together by, you know, brick and mortar. We're held together by love. Love for people you don't even know very well. But when we're here, we're bonded and united by our loving creator. And there's no greater feeling on earth than God's love flowing through us into others, even if you don't know them, especially if you don't know them. You ever have that where you're out and about and you're like, oh, I just know that person's a Christian. You just feel the love of God pouring out of them. And so this morning, I want us to celebrate that. That, you know, we have those that are uh, watching from Facebook. And, and we've been giving, you know, thank, thank you everybody out on Facebook. We've been averaging several hundred views a week. So, uh, I mean, that's just an amazing thing. But more than that, you know, I, I've really been thinking this week, what is Life Point Church? Is it just a place for all of us to come and do our duty? to have church service, to talk about good things, to pray, to sing, to listen and then to go home and feel like, okay, we did church today, that was a good thing. And I'm not trying to discount that, that, that is a good thing. I think there's gotta be something more. I think times are gonna get pretty tough. I mean, I, I don't know that for sure, but if they do, I, I want us to be a community where we can draw strength from each other. We can be there for each other. We've got grandfathers in this church, and we have infants. We've got everybody in between. You know what I call that? A healthy, balanced village. So let's be each other's village. And let's be there for each other. That would be my heart for this season. Be there for each other. Amen? Amen. Heavenly Fathers, we just go to the sermon this morning. God, I pray that you'd open up our hearts. Lord, that... that we would hear one thing, just, even if it's just one thing, that you are speaking to us where we can walk away going, you know what, I needed to hear that this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. This morning we're talking about disappointment because that has been one thing that has come my way a lot is how people have struggled with disappointment. You'd be surprised at how many amazing people have looked back on their lives and have struggled with disappointment. The eighth president, sixth president of the United States, 
His name was? Oh, and you call yourselves Americans. You don't know who the sixth president of the United States was? I didn't know either. But I will say this. He was the son of a president. Does that give you a hint? Adams, right? John, John Adams. John Quincy Adams was his son. John Quincy Adams was a decent leader. Uh, he was a decent man. He was very capable, very competent. And uh, he, he was one of those where the, the U.S. economy grew massively under John Quincy Adams. This is what he wrote in his diary shortly before his death. He said, my life has been spent in vain and in ceaseless rejected prayers by God. I had always hoped that something beneficial would be the result of my existence. Now, I don't know about you, but if I was president, if I was able to make a difference in the lives of thousands, hundreds of thousands, maybe millions at that time, I don't know what the population of the U.S., where you had economic growth and everything, I would think to myself, you know, God answered some prayers. My life was not meaningless. And yet that's what he wrote. Because I think the power of disappointment in life screams louder. We are our own worst critics, aren't we? We are our own worst enemies sometimes, too. Robert Louis Stevenson he wrote the book Treasure Island. First book I ever read. Last book I ever read too. No, just kidding. <laughs> First book I ever read, Treasure Island. He wrote this. He said, on my tombstone, I want this inscribed. Here lies one who meant well, tried little, and failed much. Now, I don't know about you, but Robert Louis Stevenson is a writer who is known and beloved by, even in his own generation, by so many people. And yet that's how he felt at his death, that he failed much, steeped in disappointment. Today's verse deals with that, Jeremiah 29, 11. What to do when you're just in disappointment, disappointment in life, disappointment in yourself, disappointment in whatever. You see, sometimes we can know a Bible verse too well. And our verse for today is definitely one of them. Uh, most of you have probably used the website called BibleGateway.com. You may know that one. Uh, that's a very well used one. And, and one of the things they do is they track searches, not your searches, but all the searches. In the year 2018, the verse we're about to talk about today was the number one searched verse in their entire database and it was Jeremiah 29, 11. It's a simple verse that reminds us of God's faithfulness when we feel down and out and we are disappointed in life. And it reads like this, Jeremiah 29, 11. God says, for I know the thoughts that I think toward you, says the Lord. Thoughts of peace and not of evil to give you a future and a hope. This verse, ironically, has been the most printed verse on t-shirts. It's been the most printed verse on refrigerator magnets, and it's been the most searched verse on the internet. In fact, if I were to stand you up here and say, give me any other verse from Jeremiah, most of you probably couldn't give me another verse from Jeremiah, but we know this one because it so clearly speaks to the hope that all of us so desperately want to cling on to when it comes to our relationship with God. And so the verse essentially not only deals with disappointment but answers the question, has God forgotten us? In our trials, in our tribulations, has God forgotten us? The fifth promise for the pandemic is this, God's answer for disappointment 
is to trust him, to trust him even when you can't see the plan clearly. The Jews were God's people. They alone had God's word. They boasted of God's military victories. They had a miraculously, divinely blessed economy. The Bible says that silver and gold were as plentiful in all Israel as any other metal you could find on the earth. They had music, they had poetry, they had festivals, and their temple was one of the ancient wonders of the world. And then, just like that, it was all gone. In 571, they are conquered by Persia. And they are exiled 800 miles east to live in a land and with a people they did not know. Having been uprooted for all they held dear, all their dreams and hopes smashed, they wondered, if we are truly God's people, then how could God let this happen? You ever have that thought? God, I follow you. How could this happen? God, I've been faithful. What went wrong? God, we've got your word. We've got your church. We've got everything. Why is this going down like this? They'd wonder if God had forgotten them. And when Jeremiah was writing, Jeremiah 29, 11, he was reminding them, no, God has not forgotten you at all. My first point this morning is this. God is thinking good thoughts about you and your life right now, right this second. God is thinking good thoughts about you. Good thoughts about you. He, God says, despite how it looks right now, look at the first part. I know the thoughts and plans that I think towards you. Thoughts of peace. Peaceful thoughts are good thoughts. And not of evil. Opposite of evil, good. God is thinking good stuff about you right now. Nobody ever gets lost in God's nine billion child family. Now you and I, we may forget birthdays, we can forget anniversaries, we can forget graduations. Men, look at me for a second. How many of you forgot to buy a card for your mother on Mother's Day or the mother of your children on Mother's Day and you run into Rite Aid or you run into CVS and you are surrounded by a bunch of other men with guilty looks on their face because they forgot the card for Mother's Day. Amen? Yeah. We forget. If I didn't have Facebook to remind me of when important birthdays were, I would forget them all. Thank you for Facebook. I pat myself on the back if I remember garbage day each week. (laughs) God not only is thinking of us, he is thinking of the good things. In fact, the bad things are forever forgotten. In Hebrews chapter 10, verse 17, God says, their sins and their lawless acts I will remember no more. Listen to me. God forgets our sins and remembers us. Now, we're often the opposite. We forget God and remember our sins, right? Did you catch that? God forgets our sins and thinks of us. We often forget God and remember our sins. We go to such great lengths to remember what God has already forgotten. For God, the past is the past, even if you did it this morning. He knows your face. He understands your pain. He records every tear you shed. 
And for the Jews in captivity in far off Babylon, Jeremiah is reminding them that God has not forgotten you even if it feels that way. In fact, God actually says, you think I've forgotten you, but actually it's you who've forgotten me. But even though it's you who have forgotten me and you got yourself into this situation, I haven't forgotten you. And he says, and I fixed a limit on your trial. Did you know that? Every trial that God allows to come into your life, it's got a divine timer attached to it. Whenever you want to sit back and say, oh, this is just going to last forever. <laughs> no. That's not God. It's not gonna... God has a timer. If you read the book of Job, God had a timer. Satan could do so much, but then he had to stop. There's a divine timer to every trial we go. And he's telling them, the timer, he, we don't always get this, but they got this. The timer is how long? 70 years. 70 years, you're going to come back. Once the time is up, the trial is over. Point number two, God, and listen to me, because this is important. Number two, God he will not always do what you expect him to do. But he will always do what he said he will do. Think about that for a moment. God will not always do what you expect him to do. We rarely see the plan. But he will always do what he says he will do. That's why it's so important to read the Bible. That's why it's so important to know the promises. Because you can hold God to what he said he will do. To be able to say, Lord, what is dark to me is clear to you. And I will trust you at your word. Now, it's hard to say that when you have a child suffering from an illness or, or your marriage is falling apart. You're worried that maybe your brother, your sister, your parents aren't Christian or your children aren't following the Lord. And all those feelings and emotions you, you begins to just breed pain. Any number of life's tragedies can strike. I can't tell you how many times I've told people, God has a plan. It's just not always clear to us. But he will do what he said he will do. That's why we study the promises. Amen. And then point number three, between disappointment and deliverance. Remember, the deliverance is going to come. God has said that. Between disappointment and deliverance, trust God and keep serving. I wasn't going to do this, but late last night, I, 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 got, I got a burr in my spur, and I thought, you know what? I'm going to do this. I'm going to read you. All of you know Jeremiah 29, 11, right? For I know the plans I have for you, thoughts of a future and a peace, to give you a hope. We all know that because we've seen it on so many t-shirts and coffee mugs. But you know what we don't see? The verses that come right before it. Remember, they are where they do not want to be. So you can apply this in any situation where you were in a spot you did not want to be. They were where they did not want to be. And this is what God says. He says in verse 5, build houses and settle down. Plant gardens and eat what they produce. Marry and give in marriage. 
um, increase in number there. Seek the pro- peace and prosperity of your captors in the city which I have carried you in exile. Pray to the Lord for your prosperity in exile. Do not listen to the dreams of the false prophets who would encourage you into false hope. For they are prophesying lies to you in my name. I have not sent them. What is God saying? Don't be like one of those people who say this. Until God makes my life better, I'm not doing anything at all. Oh, we can get like that. We can get like that. Until my marriage is better, I ain't going to work on it. Until my kids get straight, I ain't going to talk to them. Until we can sit there and we just wait it out. And that's what the Israelites were starting to do. They were sitting there in exile and they were sitting in the mud crying and crying and crying because they were so disappointed that God had led them there. And God's saying, look, I'm going to lead you out of there. You're going to come back from this. But between this day and that day, don't sit and do nothing. Bloom where you are planted. Grow. Make the best of it. Yes, your son or your daughter, they may not be walking with the Lord yet. Don't let that be your idol so that all you do is look at that every single day. God has got your son or your daughter in the palm of his hand far better than you do. While we are in the trial, we continue to serve, to trust, and to grow rather than sitting in the mud saying, God, when you do something, then my life can get going on again. But right now, I'm disappointed. I feel like I'm in exile, and I'm just going to sit here and wait until you do something. God will do something. That timer will. That timer is going to click, and it's going to be over. Do you want to look back and see a life where you just sat in the mud? Or do you want to look back and say, you know what? I trusted God that in God's deliverance, and therefore, I kept growing and going in the midst of it. And I tell you, when you look back on that, you'll have no regrets. You know, one thing you can say about the Israelites, we Christians, we can sometimes give the Israelites a really hard time, right? They put Jesus on the cross. They, 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 they you know, screwed up so many things in the Old Testament. And, and it's all documented there to see. But I will tell you this. There's two things that they did amazing. Two instances. Whenever they were in captivity, they seemed to do better in their faith. When they were in Egypt, they went from 500 people to 2 million people in 400 years. You do the math on that. Say there's 250 men and 250 women and how they would have to multiply to 2 million in 400 years. And remember, each baby takes nine months to get there. That is a miraculous event that occurred there. They were having so many babies that scholars think that their birth rate was 10 times that of the Egyptians. That's why the Egyptians said, we got to start killing the boys. There's too many of them. They're like cockroaches around here. Same when they were in Persia. When they were in Persia, in the beginning, they struggled. 
But somewhere in there they decided, we're going to stand up, we're going to serve God. They start telling people about God. They start sharing their scriptures. They start praying with their neighbors. They start seeing angelic occurrences happening in Persia. They start seeing the miracles of God happening in Persia. They start seeing all of these incredible things while they are where they do not want to be. And we say, well, Tom, how do you know that? How do you think the Magi knew about Jesus? They were from Persia. And they were handed down an incredible tradition by the Jews who were captured in Persia. Don't think that there wasn't a little part of the plan for God to take the Jews out of their comfort zone and into Persia so that Persia could hear about God. And sometimes he'll do the same with us. He'll take us out of our comfort zone into something that's not so comfortable. Not so that we can sit there and cry in the mud, but so that we can speak faith to those who we may not normally speak faith to. Chase Wright, he was a pitcher for the New York Yankees and a terrible one. <laughs> he, he, uh, he made baseball history <laughs> but he was known for something you do not want to be known for. He gave up four consecutive home runs in a row. Some of you may say, I don't know what that means. It means batter number one came up, he pitches and hits a home run. Batter number two hits a home run. Batter number three hits a home run. Batter number four, can you imagine the odds of that? that a major league pitcher would be so bad as to give up four consecutive home runs in a row. But check this out. He was not the only one who did it. In 1963, another pitcher by the name of Paul Foytek did the same thing. So the two of them are tied for the record of most consecutive home runs given up in a game. And so on April 22nd, 2007, when Chase Wright gave up those four consecutive home runs, he was pulled out of the game. He didn't stay. He went to his locker room. He got his things, and he went home. Because even he knew that's not a record you want on your resume for Major League Baseball. Thinking he would never play again, thinking he would be banished from the team, which he was not, a few days later, he gets a letter in the mail. It's anonymous, but as he opens up and he begins to read it, it was from Paul Foytek, very old by this time. He was miraculously watching the game when Chase Wright did this, and he wrote him such a beautiful letter of encouragement. By that Friday, the pitcher was back in the club pitching for the Yankees and trying his best. No other person in the world could relate to Chase Wright except for one person, Paul Foytek. You may have gone through some disappointments. You may have gone through some trials, things you'd rather not go through again, and I hope you don't. But don't think for a moment that God will not waste that opportunity, that someday you will be able to be an encouragement to someone else. Let me say, why are you saying that? Because that was Jeremiah. If there was any prophet of the Old Testament who got disappointed with God, it was Jeremiah. Jeremiah yelled at God. Jeremiah cussed at God. And God can take it. He's a big man. 
and he restored Jeremiah and he told Jeremiah, okay, Jeremiah, 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 70 years and they're coming back. And you want to know something? 70 years. A new king is in town and they release the Jews and they come back in the 70th year of their exile. Once that timer goes bing, it's over. Question on the table is, what are you going to do between now and then? Trust and serve or whine and complain? Hopefully, through the power of the Holy Spirit, we'll continue to trust and serve. Amen? Heavenly Father, as we come before you today, Lord, I pray that today's message will be like a seed planted a seed of hope that even when things do not go our way we can trust that God can use it God can bring good from it anything that happens in this world Lord that we would have trust in your faithfulness trust in your power to overcome all of the obstacles, all of the challenges. And Lord, I know they are many. Holy Spirit, fill us afresh. Fill us afresh, Lord. In fact, let's just say this together. Say, Lord Jesus, you know the plans you have for me. Good plans. Faithful plans. So I commit to trust in you even when everything says otherwise. In Jesus' name, amen.